give you some numbers. Okay, you ready for it? Six months. 30 weeks. 15 chapters. 19 sermons. 10 hours. And then what? Well then tonight we come to the end of our sermon series in this part of the book of Genesis. And as we do so tonight, surely... The hope we have is the same hope that we've had all of those previous weeks. The hope tonight is that God speaks to us in power through his word. The hope is tonight, isn't it? That God is going to show us more of his glory and and more about his salvation and more of his son. That is the hope. So let's turn... To Genesis 25, if you can have that open in front of you. Let's think straight, straight away about a first and simple heading. Let's think about Isaac's inheritance. That's our first heading tonight, Isaac's inheritance. Okay, the first thing that we read as we turn to Genesis 25 is off, do you see it? It is off another wife for Abraham. So in the past, we know he's, 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 he's married Sarah, and we know he's kind of married Hagar. Now what we're seeing is that he's kind of married this lady Keturah. Now let me say this before I go any further. None of the other, uh, well, none of the commentators, as far as I can see, would suggest that this is uh, in any way sort of chronological. It's not that Rebecca comes back and Abraham then goes and marries Keturah and then he, 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 he dies. It's not like that. Indeed, Calvin, along with a, a lot of the other commentators, would suggest that what probably happened is that he has got together with, with Keturah much, much early, maybe round about the time that he was with Hagar. Now, that kind of raises a question, doesn't it? If she wasn't important enough, this wasn't important enough to be mentioned way back there, then why, why, why mention it now? You know? Why, why bring it up at this, this point? Well, what we've got in front of us, and we've got to get this right, what we're looking at tonight is a summary passage of scripture that is dealing with some of the sort of peripheral stuff or some of the other details of Abraham's life before he dies. Now, one of the, or maybe even the primary thing that has got to be cleared up tonight is the issue of Abraham's inheritance. Who's going to get all this stuff? Okay? And you see, that is why Keturah is being mentioned here. Because just look in front of you, look at all the names. Do you see it? I mean, Abraham and Keturah have had a lot of children here. So do you see it? The question that is hanging over this portion of scripture is, which, which is it? Out of all the children that Abraham has had, who is it that's going to get all his wealth? Who is it that is going to inherit his estate? And you will see in verse 5, who gets it? Do you see? Look at verse 5. I'll read it. Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac. (laughs) He left everything to Isaac. What about all the other ones? What about all Keturah's kids? What do they get? What do they get? 
They get absolutely zip. Okay, you might say that they get a few gifts. They get a few bits. And, do you know what? As far as the inheritance is concerned, as far as Abraham is, Abraham's will is concerned, those children, and this is important, we will come back to it, they get nothing. And that's what we've got in front of us here. But what should we be thinking about? What do we learn? How do we apply this for ourselves? Well, surely and certainly there is a lesson here about our propriety. About propriety. Now, we know, because we've seen it time and time again in Genesis, that this man, Abraham, is often sort of held up as a role model. That he is held up as a role model for the nation that he fathers. Okay, now, here what we've got is Abraham held up as, a, as an example, as a role model of maturity, of responsibility. Do you see it? You know, he doesn't sort of just leave this issue of his inheritance just lying open. No, here's a man who is conscientious, he's diligent. Here is a man that makes sure that this is, this is all done and all signed and sealed before, before he dies. Do you see that, if anything, if you want, there's a lesson here for us as the children of Abraham to be responsible and proper about all of our worldly affairs. You see that? Let me tell you something else. We see something much, much better. We see something much greater here. Please, please think about this. We should look at Abraham's will here. And we should see what Almighty God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We should think, I'll say it again, we should look at Abraham's will and we should, as, a, as Christians, look and see what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Now, what do I mean? What, what we've got here is effectively, if you like, the same message as the prodigal son. I doubt there's anyone here who doesn't know the story of the prodigal son. You know how it gets to the end and the sons realize that all that the father has is, is coming to them. That's what we've got here prodigal son, Abraham and Isaac. Messages that point to the fact that everything that belongs to God will be inherited by whom? By the children of promise. And do you see tonight that that is you? If you're a Christian. Do you see that? Do you see that it is you that is the the seed, the, the, do you see that it is you that is the, the covenant line? Do you see what it means? You know what we're told in, in Romans 8? That you as a Christian are a co-heir with Christ. You are an heir. That you are an inheritor of your father's estate. Do you, do you see that? That you stand, that we stand as a group of Christians to inherit everything. That is our Father's. Everything. Does that not take your breath away? One day it is going to be true of us that every bit of the glory and every bit of the honor and every bit of the peace and every single bit of the gladness of heaven, that is going to be ours to enjoy. Do you see that? 
Our inheritance is absolutely incompatible. It is incorruptible. As the father in the story of the prodigal son says to his kids, so tonight God says to you, if you are a Christian, he says, all I have, all I have is thine. But we mustn't lose sight of the names. What did I say? What happens to all Keturah's children? Do you see it? Isaac gets everything. This awesome inheritance, it all comes to Isaac. What about those kids? They get nothing. Friends, do you see it? I mean, it's a somber thought, is it not? Outside of the line of promise, there is no inheritance. Look what we're reading here. Outside of that line of promise, all of the other children are sent away. They are sent off to the east. They are sent into the wilderness for... Do you see? What we've got to realize is that tonight, it is only in Jesus Christ that this royal status, this king's estate, is ours. Ephesians 1 says, it's only in him that we obtain this inheritance. So I'm going to make it as black and white tonight as possible. Are you there? Are you in him? Are you saved? Are you saved by the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Is is that true of you? If it is, do you see here how you should rejoice tonight at the glorious inheritance that is coming your way? Do you see tonight, this evening, that we should be so thankful, we should be rejoicing in the goodness, the mercy, the grace that our Father has shown us. So we see Isaac's inheritance. Secondly, friends, we see here God's promises. So we've got Isaac's inheritance, and now, secondly, we've got God's promises. Right, across, what is it, two sermon series now in the last two years, it's fair to say that we have been in Genesis for quite a long time. What is it? Uh, Well, it's nearly 25 chapters of Genesis that we've looked at over the last couple of years. And one thing that we have sort of, one thing that has been mentioned frequently is that the book of Genesis is divided up into lots of different sections with each section beginning do you remember the word? each section in Genesis begins with a toledot each section in this book begins in the same way it begins with a title depending on what your translation of the Bible is it'll say each section will begin with a title these are the generations of or I think if the NIV it says um, this is the account of. So, you with me so far? Genesis divided up in loads of different sections. Each section in Genesis, and I think off the top of my head, there's maybe 11 different sections in Genesis. Each one begins the same way with it taller. Now, what I hope you've seen 
I hope you've understood that this second series in Genesis, from chapter 11 through to today, chapter 25, I hope you've seen that that is one section. I hope you see that the first verse that we looked at in this current series, so it was, I think it was Genesis 11, maybe about verse 27, it begins with a Toledot. So you've got, a, this is the account of terror. That's the title. And then throughout this whole series, we've looked at from verse 11 all the way through. It's been the one until, look down in front of you, verse 12. You see it? A new section begins. Do you see it? We've had the whole section from chapter 11, and now it says this is the account of Abraham's son Ishmael. This is the kind of, so it's a new, a new section. Now, here's the thing. One of the main themes or motifs of our whole sermon series, the main theme, has not just been that God makes promises, covenantal promises to Abraham. One of the foremost themes is that God keeps his covenantal promises to Abraham. He makes the promises in this series. He also keeps them. And here's the thing. In this last summary section that we're looking at tonight, these short verses, with all these names, what we see are all of these answers, all of these fulfillment of those covenant promises coming to a head. In that summary section, you see all the promises made to Abraham begin to partially be realized. What am I talking about? Let me ask you a question. In Genesis 17, Abraham's name was changed. Do you remember that? We're taught that at Sunday school, aren't we? His name has changed. But here's the thing. Let me ask you, can you remember why Abraham's name was changed? Why did God change Abraham's name? What was the promise? That he's going to be the father of many, many, many nations, right? Well, think about what you've got in front of you in the summary section. See what you've got? You've got all of these names, all of these children. Do you see it? This promise that was made to Abraham, here we're seeing it being sort of beginning to be fulfilled. He becomes the father of many, many nations here, okay? All right, that's fine. More importantly, let me ask you this. Do you remember how the sermon series began? Do you remember the seismic moment in Genesis chapter 12? For out of the blue, God appears and makes promises, covenantal promises to Abraham. Do you remember that? I mean, that is something that shapes everything that is in the rest of Scripture, Genesis chapter 12. Let me ask you, do you remember what the promises were in Genesis 12? They're important for the whole of Scripture. Do you remember what the promises were? Can I remind you? Ready for them. What did God promise? One, God promised to bless Abraham. Now think about what you've got in front of you. He's promised to bless Abraham. What have we got tonight? We've got Abraham, this really wealthy man, this huge estate. Has he been blessed? Wow, he's been blessed. Look at the age he is here. What blessing of long life. Do you see? This promise is partially 
been fulfilled here. What else was promised in Genesis 12? Abraham was promised seed. He was promised an offspring. Well, have a look. Where's all this wealth? Where's it going to go? It's going to go to Isaac. It's going to go into the fulfillment of the promise. God again. He's faithful. What else was Abraham promised? He was promised that he was going to be a blessing to the nations. Again, we see that here. Look at it. The last phrase, verse 11. God says, or it reads, after Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac. Do you see the blessing passes from Abraham to Isaac and then onwards to the world? And then also God promised land, didn't he? He promised land. And let me ask you this. Abraham dies here. Do you see where he's buried? He's buried in the cave. He's buried in not any cave, but he's buried in the one he owns. Again, we're seeing fulfillment of God's promises. Now, here's the thing. The temptation for a preacher, I guess, at this point, would would be to say, look, Abraham has had all these promises partially fulfilled by God. So the temptation for a preacher is to stand in front of you and just say, okay, here's the application. Uh, God was, was faithful to this man and he is going to be faithful to you. That's the temptation. You know, I say to you, you know, God's made you lots of promises as Christians and as a church and God's going to keep those promises. That's the temptation and that's true as well. I do not want to do that tonight. Let's not do that tonight. Instead, will you consider this? Please consider this. Every single one of those promises that is made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, partially fulfilled here in Genesis, every one of those promises is completely fulfilled for you in Jesus Christ. Do you see that? Let me say it again, just to make sure that everyone has got this. Every one of those covenant promises in Genesis 12, every single one of them, look, they're partially, we're seeing this as summary passage, they're partially fulfilled here in Genesis. But it's beautiful, because we see them completely and utterly fulfilled in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you, do you, do you, do you see what I'm talking about? What are the promises? It's a promise of seed. That's what we said. Do you see that it wasn't just Isaac, but it is Christ that is the fulfillment of that promise? Do you you see that? It is Christ that was the child who was promised, and the child who was doubted, and the child who was born, and the child who, not nearly, but actually died on the altar. It is Christ that is the fulfillment of the promise of seed. What else was it? The promise of land? Friend, do you realize that it wasn't just Canaan? It's Christ that is the promise of land. That he is the place where we find rest. That he is the one through whom we can actually have 
spiritual security beneath our feet. Christ is the promise of seed. Christ is the promise of land. Christ, come on. A congregation going through the book of Acts. Christ is the promise of blessing to the nations. Surely we see how in Acts, the gospel going out to the Gentile world. Surely we see how that is the fulfillment of that promise to Abraham. And what was the other one? The last one. What was it? The promise to bless Abraham? To bless the covenant keeper? Do you see that Christ is the blessing of the covenant for you? Christ is the riches. Christ is the wealth. Christ is everything. Do you see that? Everything in the series, everything in, in Genesis, everything about Abraham's life is recorded here so that we, as a congregation, understand that it was through covenant that God was acting to repair the mistake that we made in Genesis chapter 3. Everything in Scripture is about Jesus to the end of the book from the very, very, very beginning of the book. It is all about Christ. And then we'll close tonight uh, with a third thing. We've seen Isaac's inheritance. We get it. And we've seen the promises of God, how it all comes together here in this last summary section. Thirdly, I just want us to consider Abraham's obituary. Abraham's obituary. Now, the reason that we might buy a local paper changes as we get older. All right? So, if it's... You can already see where I'm going with this, I think. But, you know, when we're kids and there's a local paper lying about, we tend to pick it up and look for the cartoons. And then... As we get a little bit older, uh, we might buy a local paper for the magazines or maybe for the sport to hear about your local football team. And as you get older and a bit more mature, you buy a local paper for the news, maybe, for the comment. But you really know that you are over the hill. (laughs) You really know that you're getting on in years if you buy your local paper for the obituaries to learn about which one of your friends might have passed away. That's when you really know that you're getting on in years. Well, it's that idea that I want to close with. Because, look, from verse 7 and what you've got in front of you, you have Abraham's death notice. That's what you've got. You have got Abraham's obituary. Now, it's unusual. Let me say that. Because it is longer than most of the obituaries and death notices that you're going to get in Scripture. Like, Isaac has got an obituary in Genesis 35, nowhere near as long as this. Now, the reason that Abraham has a longer obituary is obvious, isn't it? It is because God wants to show us how important Abraham was. Like, think about, the, let's say, the times. You know what paper you read? Daily record, maybe. I don't know. Or let's say the telegraph. Now, just as they would do, what Scripture does is it affords a very important person a long, lengthy obituary. Here's the question. Why? What was it about Abraham 
that was so important. I want you to think about that. I mean, he's a wealthy man. Was he given, a, was he given an obituary because he was a man of wealth? Do you think? Do you think that Abraham's obituary is this long because he was a sort of well-respected bloke in the community? Do you think that he was given this sort of lengthy obituary because he was a good family man? Is that what you think? No, do you see that Scripture, that God, Almighty God, gives Abraham this lengthy death notice because he was a man of faith. It's faith. He was showing the nation that would emerge from him the necessary response to the covenant of grace. Abraham responded to God with faith, hence the long obituary. Now, I'm going to be honest with you here. Um, I find these portions of Scripture incredibly difficult. I think I've said this before. You're faced with the death of a biblical character, and you cannot get away from the fact that you have to consider death as you read this. And we are faced, verses, with our own mortality. We are faced with the fact that death is coming for us rapidly here. And that is not the easiest of subjects for us to to consider as a congregation. But as we do tonight, surely the question we have to ask is what if it was our Toledot? I mean, what if it said, this is the account of and your name? I mean, what, what is it that would be recorded ab- about you? And what would your spiritual obituary, your spiritual death notice read? I mean, would it say that person was ungodly? Would it say that? Would it say that person was really hard of heart? Would it say that person remained unrepentant before God up until the end? Well, let me end by, by, by just saying, if you're a Christian this evening, let me assure you that you need not worry too much about that. You see, because of Jesus Christ, because of Christ, and because of the fact that you, as a Christian, have faith in his blood, it is taken care of. Do you see that? Do you know you can rely on the fact that you are going to be remembered as important? by the Lord your God because of what Jesus Christ has done. That like Abraham was here, you are going to be treasured by God because of what Christ has done. That is going to be true of you. What was said about Abraham, like you as a Christian, you are going to be, read it, gathered to your people in glory. Christ has died. And because you have trusted in him, because of your faith, because of Jesus Christ, your future is absolutely beyond doubt. It is secure. And it is lovely, isn't it? Now, I'll, I'll just end the, the series with this, this thought. I'm, my mum spoke to me a while. And she, she wanted to do a sort of family history thing. 
wanted to research her ancestors. And I, I didn't, yeah. I, uh, I offered a help, so I gave her a lift. She had worked out where some of our ancestors were, were buried, supposedly. And uh, we got in the car, and we drove for miles and miles and miles. And it was so remote. We had to stop the car, get out of the car, and we had to walk and walk through this forest path. Eventually, it came to a clearing. I think I've mentioned this before. It came to a clearing where there was a ruined church. And there was a few gravestones, and they were kind of overgrown, and some of them were lying flat. And you know, we found a few relatives. And there was one gravestone. And just pushed the stuff away, and you could just about read what it said. All it said was, here lies, in the person's name, he loved Christ. He loved Christ. Now, it might be the case this evening that you've come here, and perhaps for the first time, you are beginning through the Holy Spirit, to see how majestic Jesus is. It might be that you come here tonight and you now see how important this plan of salvation is. Now, can I say to you, before you go home, you come to Jesus Christ. Let what was said on that gravestone about that man be said of you this evening. Don't leave unless it can be true and said about you that he loves, that she loves Jesus. Can that be said of you? If it can be said of you, there is there's something beautiful here, isn't there? One day, you are going to come of age. One day, you are going to inherit the most splendid of legacies. Take that thought into the week. One day you are going to inherit your father's estate. Let's pray.